The Remnant. Many years ago, a social commentator wrote an important essay called Isaiah's Job. He rebuked a brilliant intellectual friend of his for wishing to persuade the masses of the right ways of life and justice. It'll never happen, he argued. Instead, look to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah was told to preach righteousness to his own generation of violence. He was also told to expect few people to listen. They had ears, but could not hear, and eyes, but could not see. Their deafness and blindness, God said, was their own judgment. God determined to judge the wicked people and send them into captivity. Nevertheless, Isaiah was sent to preach to them anyway. Why? For two reasons. First, to be a witness, warning, and condemnation to the wickedness and violence. But secondly, and more importantly, there was a small remnant of people who remained faithful. These would benefit from the truth told to them. They would act and have their lives saved. Throughout all of history, no matter how wicked society has grown, God has always had a faithful remnant to carry on. He has always had that remnant, and he has always had an Isaiah to preach the truth to it. We can see many of these in history. Elijah in his day, John the Baptist in his, even Jonah among ancient pagans. Jesus was the ultimate one of these, specifically warning that generation of vipers about the coming destruction of Jerusalem in their lifetimes. It came in AD 70, only 40 years after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension to God's right hand. Noah was one of the first to have Isaiah's job. He and his family were the remnant of his day, and he himself was a preacher of righteousness, 2 Peter 2.5. By his faithful actions and words, he condemned the world, yet saved his family, Hebrews 11.7. We will talk about Noah's actions, the ark, in a moment. For now, where do we see him preach righteousness? Nowhere too explicitly, at least not in the sense of standing and preaching long sermons. This has left an opportunity for artistic license by those who dare to take it. Noah has been presented as an activist, the likes of Greenpeace or PETA, among other things. But the only indication we get of his message to his own generation may seem a little odd to you. The names of his children. Noah didn't have children until late in his life. When many men are recorded in that era having children in their 100s, Noah is not said to have done so until 500 years old, Genesis 5.32. In a perverse and wicked society that subverts and captures even the faithful, Noah was wise to wait until he was certain of his own spiritual and leadership capacities. At that time, he fathered three children in close succession. And what were those names? Shem, Ham, and Japheth. But keep in mind, those are Hebrew names that just sound like names to us. To Hebrews, like most Hebrew names, they have very simple, literal meanings. The name Shem, in particular, was a poke in the eye to that generation. Shem means name and carries the connotation of renown or fame. It was as if Noah was mocking the whole generation of men who were trying to make a name for themselves, trying to achieve fame through joining the civilizations of Cain's sons. It was like Noah was saying, You think that's the path to renown? 
Here he was, humble, content, and faithful to God, eschewing the flashy ways of that world, yet he named his son Fame. Noah knew that true fame was to be named among the faithful, to have God's approval, not man's. So he preached to his generation the true, quote-unquote, name that mattered, and condemned the world. The name Ham means hot. Noah was warning the people of the hot wrath of God's judgment. He probably had no idea at the time that Ham would eventually turn out evil, moved by the heat of his own lusts and passions, as we shall see. Japheth can mean either open or possibly beautiful. Both are relevant. Japheth's heritage is prophesied to be enlarged and spread across much of the world after the flood. Genesis 9, 25-27 Again, this is right in the face of Noah's wicked generation. They wanted dominion and conquest, and thought they had secured it through their own ways. But Noah showed that his simple, humble, faithful son shall be the one for whom the earth shall open her womb. Yet, beautiful also condemns that society which was chasing after the quote-unquote good women of Cain's world and judging leadership by outward stature and prowess. In the face of this vanity and narcissism, Noah names his simple, faithful son, Beauty. Noah knew that true beauty is the beauty of holiness. Psalms 29.2 and 96.2 Noah knew that with his children and their families, he would be laying the foundations of a whole new world, as if it were a new creation. He attacked the evils of his day, yet preserved the values they had perverted, a good name, the sovereignty of God, and true beauty. He was to maintain faithfulness in the midst of that corrupt and corrupting age. Having preserved through his grace a faithful remnant in Noah's family, God then told his plan to Noah. I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Genesis 6.13 The people would not listen. They were destined for destruction. They had the rewards they sought already. It was God's turn to make a clean start. His focus was on the faithful remnant. It always is. That modern commentator was right. Our job is like Isaiah's job. It is like Noah's and Elijah's and John the Baptist's. We are the faithful remnant, and the preachers to the faithful remnant. We are to live and speak like the seed of the faithful one that we are. We are to prepare for the evil of our generation to meet its own fruition, destruction. We need a plan that sees beyond it. And that is where the ark comes in.